victorious men and women of God. We are going to praise the Lord this morning. Father, we love you so much. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory, Lord, because you are worthy of it all, God.
Father's heart beats worth. Oh, what a joyous thing. Oh, what a joyous thing. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. For He alone is worthy. For He alone is worthy. Hold the Lamb of Righteousness and every heart Triumphant in Jesus' name. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. For He alone is worthy. For He alone is worthy.
they say familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity also breeds just complacency. And we, we hear some of these words like, oh, come let us adore him. And we've heard that hymn over, but do we think about what it means that we, are, we were made for adoration. We were created Sometimes what's broken in our lives is that we're not doing that. So it's my prayer for us that during this Christmas time, and not just the sticker, put put Christ back in Christmas. The X stands for Christ. So the X isn't taking Christ out of Christmas as much as we just take Christ out of Christmas, out of our lives completely, just by being complacent about the message because we're used to hearing it. Put yourself in the place of those shepherds 2,000 years ago. When the angels came and said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It wasn't goodwill towards, for men towards each other. It was goodwill from God to man. Because there had been so many years of separation. We were made for adoration. Father, may we in our own lives put Christ back in Christmas. I pray that this year, that some of the things that we're doing very intentionally will create an awareness and an opportunity to do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You be seated. So, giving is important. And as much as I forget to talk about the offering sometimes, that doesn't take away from the fact that giving is important. And it's a part of Pam's and my life. Um, And sometimes uh, in the flesh, it's difficult. But God always provides for us that when we give him what's his, uh, as he promises in Malachi, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Heard somebody say one time he opens up the window because if he poured out all the blessing, we wouldn't be able to contain it. If he opened up the door of heaven, so much blessing would come we couldn't contain it. I don't know about that being scriptural or not, but it says windows, so try it out. The the buckets are going to be here, um, and you can put your offering in there, or you can put your offering in the green boxes. A lot of people, a lot of you are giving online, and so that's the other way that we can do that. I want you, uh, I want to remind you of next week is Christmas Fiesta or Fiesta Christmas? Which one is it? Christmas Fiesta. Okay. Um, we are going to have an awesome Christmas party. And this year, it's going to be South Texas style, which is Mexican. Um, uh, I'll, t- I'll talk to you about that. Uh, Mexican food is God's gift to mankind. And so we're doing it for Christmas, which is the way they do it in South Texas and in Mexico. Um, I want everybody to have an opportunity to practice that kind of Christmas, where I grew up with turkeys and hams and all that kind of stuff. But in... in Mexico, they have tamales for uh, Christmas. That's their traditional Christmas uh, dinner thing. So everybody have a tamale. Next week, immediately after the our church service, uh, after our worship time, immediately after that, we'll set the tables up in here, and it's going to be awesome. Um, now I want you to take five minutes, and we'll get ready for um, our second Advent candle will be lit and then we'll have a message on that candle the peace candle all right take five so for advent season we light these candles one for each week and then the extra one on the end um, will be a special one we light at the end so this morning josh and jen jackson and carson and cruz are going to light it as a uh, the Jackson family this morning and um, and do the readings for us. All right? So welcome them. Is this thing working? Okay. All right. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him, and peace to the Jews who are near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Gracious God, as we light the second candle of this Advent wreath, we seek your peace. In the world filled with turmoil, may the light of this candle remind us of the peace that only you can bring. Help us to be instruments of your peace in our homes, communities, and the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. So the second candle is the peace candle. And that's our theme for this week, peace. Um, I'm looking around the room to decide uh, how, yeah. So I grew up in the 60s. Peace. Peace in the 60s was a different, there you go. It was all about give peace a chance. That was a very strange song that um, John and Yoko wrote and tons of people sang and hundreds of people have sang since then. So, give peace a chance, and this peace sign, whoops, can you see that over, that peace sign, Josh did that one, you're going to have to hit the clear, uh, clear deal, there you go, that, those are the two peace signs that everybody in the 60s knew, you hardly see them anymore. But all of that talk about peace didn't work. Even Joni Mitchell said, and she was talking about that song, Give Peace a Chance. She said, we all tried to give peace a chance, but it was just a dream some of us had. Well, what does that have to do with, with the Bible and Jesus? Well, because that's the same dream that some had in 4 A.D., the world in which Jesus came uh, during the Roman Empire. They called it then Pax Romana. Anybody know what that means? The peace of Rome. Um, That was a dream that they had that they could do things like build roads and do some uh, civic improvements and all kinds of things that would fix stuff and everybody would be happy and there would be peace on earth. Never mind that they were the most powerful army in the world and crushed anybody that came, came in contact with them. But it was just a dream that they were having too. And sure, there had been periods without war, and I'm talking now about the history of Israel. There had been periods without war, um, but there was always a threat of that. And it was into a world of very imperfect peace that Jesus came with the only peace that is not a dream. Because that particular peace was an end to war of which some people weren't even aware. There was a war that had been going on for thousands of years that most people weren't even aware of. But on that night, as we... um, Look at the Christmas story that in Luke 2 that if anybody's familiar with the Bible and Christmas at all, they know this one. It's the story of Jesus and all about the angels and everything. But in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 13, it said, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
And the war that I was talking about is the war between God and man. I wonder if some people feel easy when I talk about the war between God and man. Because the New Testament uses a word that talks about the relationship between God and man. And it says that we were in, the relationship was one of enmity. And what enmity means is the state of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. It, it, comes from, it comes from the Middle English word, um, which is enmity, or, or French word, enemite, but it's from the Latin word that is, means enemy. In fact, the Latin is enemy. So that, and does it feel weird to you to, to hear that the relationship that we, we had with God was like we were the enemy? It says it several times. Paul talks about it several times in the New Testament that, that that's what the relationship was. So in this Christmas message, Christmas story, what we're talking about today is the reconciliation for which God has longed for generations. Since the time of Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden. And they hid at the sound of his coming. See, they're the ones that chose that relationship. Where they had walked with God in the cool of the day, suddenly they're hiding from him. And they weren't just hiding because of their nakedness. They were hiding because the relationship had been extremely damaged. So God has waited for thousands of years to declare peace. He declares it at the coming of His Son like the angelic arrival among the shepherds that night. Just like that one, God's peace often arrives like an interruption. And I, when God's peace really comes... It's an interruption to our broken way of thinking, broken thought patterns, habits, and the expectations that we have for what our life is going to be. And, th I, and I get emotional thinking about this, that peace is an interruption to our propensity towards fear, our inclination to, towards just fearing things. The devil uses it all the time. Look how many times angels have come before man and it's, what are their first words that they say? Be, fear not, do not be afraid. <laughs> and I believe that that's what God's purpose is for us, is to n not be afraid. So Christ's advent is a declaration of peace to our fears. And the one up, what I think is one of the greatest promises there is that God will work all things together for our good. That's, his plan isn't for us to be in fear over anything. Not be afraid of Him. That's one thing. But not be afraid of... of the relationships that you, have, that you experience every day. To not be in fear in those relationships. To not be in fear about what your grade is on next algebra test. To not be in fear about how you're going to pay your electric bill. That's not God's plan for us. So after generations of separation, when Jesus comes and peace on earth, goodwill towards men is declared, that's heaven's first message to mankind. I talked about it last year. That for 750 years, God had been completely silent. There had been no prophets hearing from God. Angels weren't showing up giving messages. For 750 years, there's radio silence. And so this is heaven's first message to mankind, and it's God's 
And I want to invite you to this, that it's God's in daily invitation for us to just receive His peace. Receive His will, His pleasure in us. So, when in the 60s, what they were talking about was an end to war when they talked about peace. That was 100% of the message. And though an end of war can be satisfying uh, for a person or a people even to have, because it means an end to loss, an end to loss of lives, as well as life itself and resources and all the things that could be put to better use. But that end to fear is even greater than a peace after war. As a counselor, one of the things that I dealt with in people's lives and and one of the most common themes that, that people needed to work on was their fear. Their fear in so many things. Um, in Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you've ever studied human development, one of the things that you see is that above the most the physiological needs that we need for air and water and food and the things to sustain our body, the very next thing on that pyramid. Anybody remember ever Abraham Maslow? Okay, so that on that pyramid, the very bottom things are air, water, the things that that sustain our body. The very next level above that is our emotional needs and what we need for, well, security. That's the very next need above that, security. Um, that sense of a, an emotional kind of a shelter. And that's, that's the peace that God brings us. Um, Ephesians 2, verse 8. I don't know if that... Yeah. Ephesians 2. Starting with verse 8, and then we'll skip to verse 14. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Most, many of us are familiar with that verse, talking about being saved. And there's so many different ways that we can t- uh, look at salvation. There's, a, there's salvation from, for eternity, that we're not going to go to hell. That's one level of being saved. There's also a, a, that we're saved temporally from that we have this security, that our, our lives are saved from just a worthless life, a life of turmoil. Verse 14 for he, says, For he himself, Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who has, both, has made both one. Now this is talking about Jews and Gentiles that um, I think Jen read that earlier. Or, Maybe Carson did. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Sorry, I'd have a squirrel moment just for a second. Jews and Gentiles. Jesus reconciled Jews and Gentiles who had been at odds for forever. And Jews were obviously the nation of Israel and Gentiles was anybody else. Um, Jesus reconciled those two groups. But he also reconciled God and man. That's the most important reconciliation. The divide that happened when Adam and Eve sinned and was a a permanent situation until then. And only through metaphors and things like that was there a symbolic kind of reconciliation, which never happened. You know, putting the, the sins on the goat and all that kind of stuff. None of that really worked or did anything. But it's also that reconciliation between God and man because it, this verse is going to refer to the, the curtain being torn and the curtain is it was in the tabernacle as well as the temple that separated the Holy of Holies, the place where God was, from the priests and we were outside in one court and then the people who were outside in another court. So there were all these walls and doors and then a curtain that separated God from everybody else. So in verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. That's talking about that curtain. 
that on the cross when, when Jesus died, it said the curtain was torn from top to bottom. I don't know if we, we can even picture what that means because all of our curtains have, um, they're, all, they're all split in the middle and we pull a little string or something like that and it opens up, right? Um, even if we had to tear the curtain, you know, it's, it's a relatively e- easy thing. The curtain in the temple, if it, when it was drawn back, took a team of mules to pull it open. It weighed thousands of pounds. And it was torn in a moment like that. It was impossible. It was a miraculous kind of a tearing. So, he's broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace. Both peace with Jews and Gentiles and peace with God and man. That he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he became and he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who were near. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. And that's Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. Um, if you've ever had kids, so for parents, that's who I'm talking to. Sometimes peace just means silence. That's peace, simple, just No noise. But as I already mentioned that Jesus came into a world where there had been radio silence for God for those 750 years. So when the angel, I mean, so I want you to think about that because we're going to sing a song in a few minutes that refers to the, the angels coming and singing. That when the angels made their announcement, It was the first word from God in those 750 years. And it brought a peace that, that has lasted from then until now, 2,000 years. Now, there's still wars. There's, we still have trouble in our life. But it's lasted for 2,000 years. So when we talk about peace, I want you to think about that personal peace that Jesus brings, that it's the opposite of fear, which is the problem of all creation. I mean, um, some of you have been deer hunting recently. What's the problem that you have with deer? Their fear. Built into them is this fear of us, and um, I, I would submit to you that there's a kind of a fear amongst all of creation, between each other and between, uh, well, and all the things that we fear. Uh, Jesus brings personal peace and an end to that fear. And I've said just one of the most, most basic needs of human beings Jesus in John chapter 14, so it's towards the end of his ministry on earth in the gospel of John. It's right before the last supper. Jesus tells his disciples, he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. That's one, that's one function of the Holy Spirit is that he teaches us all things. But that's another sermon. Um, that he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now he said that to his disciples and his, the followers that he had. He said, he will bring to your remembrance all things. Do you ever wonder how 
the writers of the New Testament wrote some of the things that they did because now if you've been watching the movie Chosen, The Chosen, you know that, that Matthew, Levi, has been writing all along through that, that deal. And I think that being a tax collector like he was and used to keeping records, that's probably a, a, a pretty fair portrayal of him. And maybe he did write it as he went. Most people think that John Mark wrote the first gospel and maybe did because there's a lot, it's an odd kind of logic that they've come to that conclusion by. So, but I believe that God miraculously re- brought to their remembrance the things that he wanted them to remember or, or to know and write down later on. That miraculously. My grandmother practiced this scripture if she lost something and forgot where she put it. She would speak this word over her situation that God will bring to remembrance all things. And you know what? She found them all the time. But he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all things. And he says, my peace I leave with you. This is Jesus' pronouncement over his followers. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Not a peace like the world. My peace, which is above that peace. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I think that this was one of the last pronouncements that Jesus made over his whole group. Because later he's only speaking to the twelve. But to this larger group of people that were following him, a hundred or two hundred at times, that followed him from place to place everywhere that he went. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I, I got the chance to live these out nine, nine and a half years ago when we lost our daughter and I was trying to deal with that in my head and uh, I said, I was counseling myself. It's not a good idea, don't do that. I said, you know that you're, come on, you got to, you got to get with this. You know you're never going to see her again. And bam, the Holy Spirit whacked me upside the head. Not literally, but, but maybe in, in the Spirit. Uh, I felt something, boom. I said, that's really dumb. Of course you will. I've told, I've told you before. I realized I really do believe all that stuff. I really do believe in heaven. I really do believe I'll see her again. And it, it was a peace that I had. Peace that passes understanding because it's only in those kind of situations where you, where you can't logic out peace in your own head. It has to be a gift. It has to be something that's given to you. That's the peace that passes understanding that the Bible talks about. That's the kind of peace that Jesus brings in our lives. Even in situations that absolutely do not make sense. So... Just like last week, I want to talk to you about integrating. We can be inspired by messages, but until we make them a part of who we are, until we make them a part of our daily life, it's really pointless. And in that case, you might as well listen to podcasts or whatever. But I want to encourage you to integrate. Make this message about peace be, make it be a part of your life, your everyday life somehow. And so the most basic kind of integration is this, that each night you're just going to speak the Lord's blessing over your, yourself and your household. Where in, chapter, in Mark chapter 12, it says, Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Number six, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace. Brother Kenny used to say, shalom, shalom. The biblical word for peace. 
a little bit deeper integration would be do things that make your home a peaceful home. I mean, I mean simple things. R- reset your home for peace. Like things like lay out your clothes at night so you, that you're, you're not in a rush in the morning. I see some of you looking at each other and... Avoid debates and arguments on social media. The, the, the ways that our peace is stolen from us today is supernatural. And some people, peace is shutting off your phone. Pam, cover your ears right now. Get rid of the clutter in that corner that you've been ignoring for a year. Finally got an amen out of Pam. <laughs> Spend a few minutes each day in silence and prayer for peace. And then this is jumping in with, uh, with both feet. Bring peace wherever you go. Think about your responses towards each other in different kinds of situations. How much are you robbing others of peace? And how you respond to different circumstances. Either you're robbing people of peace or you're robbing yourself of peace because you, you let it be stolen. Do you join every debate and argument? Do you allow co-workers to speak in a dishonorable way about others? Peace can be disruptive to a non-peaceful culture. So offer peace in every situation. Proverbs says a gentle, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Not just of the person that you're speaking to or responding to, but your own wrath. So begin the discipline of daily spending 30 minutes in silence and prayer. Preparing yourself to do these practical things Uh, regarding peace. Because these are the ways that we put into practice in our lives and start to cultivate that peace. But only the Holy Spirit brings, can bring that peace. But since He, since the Holy Spirit, He's in us, empowering us to operate supernaturally in peace. Because sometimes... And I'm not talking about myself, but like in a relationship, like a marriage, for instance. I'm not talking particularly about any particular marriage, though. It takes supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to avoid arguments and wars. But we're equipped for that in Jesus' name. So we're going to sing a song and it's called King of Heaven. So as the, as the um, worship team comes up, I want to call your attention to the words. You tore the night apart and ripped the skies, the silent skies in half. Your glory breaking through the dark. And here our worlds collide, divinity and man confined. This great design drawn out for me. I want to call your attentions. But think about that. I know that we have a picture in our mind of these these shepherds at night. And and angels come. And I mean, there was a light that wasn't like any other light that they had certainly that they had seen before i mean think about it we have bright lights we have our headlights on our car we we have street lights we're used to light they didn't have that then so when these lights when these angel lights came on it was a brand new thing they had firelight
and they broke the silence, not just of that night, but the silence that had been for thousands of years. Certainly for 750 years since God has spoken. Put yourself in that place in this Christmas time. And that God reconciles himself to us. And he does all the work for it. We don't do anything. silence haven't whispered out in our darkness glory pierced the night we were broken for thousands of years but now we're lifted up king of heaven God is here with us the book of Hebrews talks about that Jesus everybody recognized recognize who he was king of heaven creator of all that is and the angels everybody in heaven recognizes that but he becomes a little baby and Hebrews talks about how, how he lowered himself to be a part of us king of heaven God is here with us King of heaven, on earth be found. Sing that this morning with us as we renew ourselves right now. Sing it with renewed awareness. apart and ripped the silent skies in half your glory breaking through the dark and here our worlds collide divinity and man can find this great design drawn out from me sing this with me God with us, Emmanuel, hallelujah. You hold the ends of time, yet place yourself here in some mind. Life is now forever changed. Our eyes be lifted up, our great eternal hope arrives. This great design drawn out for me.
our silence Heaven whispered out And now a darkness Glory pierced the night We were broken Now we're lifted up love heaven God is here with us hallelujah angels cry aloud sing holy all the praise resound king of heaven on the earth bound, king of heaven on the earth and we sing that every Christmas. But I hope that I, because of this morning's message and the word that you'll recognize in a new what it, in a new way what it means Emmanuel God with us. What that accomplished to bring peace in our lives. But I'd also encourage you this morning to think about what it cost. What it cost for God to give up His Son. What it cost for Jesus to become less than what He was before. Can you imagine what it, what it means to be God and He was fully God and fully man and that's a whole other message. But can you imagine what it means to be God and have your diaper changed? And I, I don't, I mean, literally, that you've, you've allowed a situation to create a kind of a weakness in you that you've never known before. I can imagine angels, angels crying to see that. All for us. The simplest verse that everybody knows, John 3, 16. God gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Not just life life forever, but the right kind of life right now. The life that is life abundant. That's my prayer for you this morning, for your families, for us during this Christmas time, that an awareness of that, that we'd step up into even a new awareness of that. Amen. Let me, let me pray for you right now.
Heavenly Father, I pray that this day would not go by without us making a response to you with regard to this word from you this morning. That we would not let this day pass without seeing what our response in our everyday life is going to be to this message of peace. And how we're going to integrate it into our lives for peace in our family, for peace in our work, for peace at our school, for peace in all the relationships that we're involved in. The way that we integrate it to be a part of our everyday life so that we can be that blessing to others that we talk about. So that we can fulfill what our purpose is in this life to be Jesus everywhere we go. May that be coming true day by day, more and more, that we become more and more like Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen.